are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. And I chose to speak from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 35 through verses 38, on the subject of compassion. And if you'll take your Bibles and turn with me to the ninth chapter of the book of Matthew, the Gospel, and let me read you the words of the Lord Jesus as he speaks here, as it speaks of him. And verse 35, and Jesus went about. Let me stop there just for a moment, just this afternoon and reading again these verses and, and wanting these verses to sink deep back in my own heart and soul again. And I, I just draw a ring around. I says, there's a text that needs to be preached on soul winning. And Jesus went about. Jesus went about. Jesus went about. That's what it's all about, going about. And that's what you've been doing. And Jesus went about all the cities, all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. And because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd, then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Compassion. That word is speaking of the, the most inner parts of mankind, the seat of our feelings and the seat of our emotions that can feel and want to do something for someone else. It's a feeling of distress through the ills of others as the Lord spoke of in Romans chapter 9 and verse 15, speaking of the Lord himself, of God's compassion, for he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And when you read the Bible and when you just look through the pages of time and history and even the present hour, there are many wonderful accounts in records of compassion, both in the scripture and also in life as we live it and look around. In the scripture I read from Luke chapter 15 and verse 20 of a prodigal father as it is said of him. And he rose and came to his father speaking of that son. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and he kissed him. 
beautiful picture of compassion of a, of a wayward boy that was not forgotten, that was prayed for and looked for and rejoiced when he saw him coming. And he had compassion on him. Hey, let's never lose compassion over a wayward child. Let's never lose compassion over a son that's gone bad. Let's love him back. Let's pray him back. And when he gets back, let's have some compassion and love. I read again in Luke chapter 10 and verse 33 of that story of the good Samaritan. A certain man on a journey fell among thieves that stripped him and left him half for dead. The priest passed by, as we know, and the Levi passed by. Then the Samaritan passed by, but saw him. Thank God he saw him because he was looking. He saw him. He was the unlikely person to look for somebody like this or stop to pay attention and have compassion. But the Bible said he saw him and had compassion on him. But he had that kind of compassion that could move you to do something. And that's the kind of compassion we need. Compassion that will move us. The Bible says in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 20, of two blind men who cried for mercy and healing in verse 34. And the Bible says, and Jesus had compassion on them. He had compassion, the scripture says. I've witnessed today compassion from this church. I've witnessed the very thing that I wanted to preach about tonight. And I thank God for the illustration. I thanked him for laying this message on my heart tonight because I got to see compassion demonstrated. I got to see people that had compassion and compassion that moved them to do something about what they saw. I, I thank God for all of the bus workers for the day. Thank God for bus workers. Thank God for buses. Thank God for those who buy buses. Thank God for Bill and those who fix buses. So many churches have buses, but they hardly make it there and back. Thank God for the fleet that you have, but not by accident. It, it takes some work and compassion and concern to do that. Thank God for those bus workers who get out and knock on doors and go like Ms. Moffitt and, and Ms. Martinez and all of the others. I don't know all of the bus captains. But thank you for loving children and people. Amen. Thank you for having compassion on them. I, I was invited to go over to the get together and that, that great event that Miss Martinez had for her, her bus workers today, over 200 of them, eight being saved. Amen. But what touched me beyond what I saw there was as I stuck with Miss Martinez there after the meal and she stood with the wife and I and she looked out with, I could see a bit of a tear there in her eye and, and she said to both of us, she says, look at them. 
She says, this is what it's all about. He said, this is what it's all about. It's not all of this it takes to put it on. But that there, you see that there? See that couple that got saved this morning? She says, she says, this is what it's all about. Hey, man. That's what it's all about. I, I, I saw the compassion there. Hey, you think about all of these buses. You know what it takes? It compassion that moves you to do something about sending out buses. Why? Because they don't just go out on their own. But it takes a lot of money to put the gas in all of those buses to send out there. But I'm here to tell you that a couple and folks that got saved this morning and all of those hundreds of children that came on, hey, the price of a soul hadn't gone down. Even though the gas has gone up, the price of a soul hadn't gone down. Amen. Now think about the insurance bill. Don't tell me what it is. You probably don't want to know it right away again. But I'm telling you, it takes a little something to pay the insurance. But again, I'm here to tell you that the price of a soul hasn't gone down. Insurance goes up and gas goes up, but the price of a soul is still as worth as much as it's ever been. Thank God for all of those souls that were gathered in here this morning. Hey, that takes somebody with compassion Bell, from what they saw, what they saw moved them to compassion to do something about it. And there's so many pictures that you and I can see, and I, I rejoice that I got to see and be in this church again that I know is a church that's willing to dig and keep on digging and dig again and dig again and dig again because they realize what they're digging for. Digging for one more soul to get saved. Maybe one more bus to go out. Thank God for one more bus captain to go out. But when you look at all, all the examples of compassion that moves somebody from what they have seen, the purest and perfect example, of course, has got to be the Lord Jesus Christ. All you bus workers were looking out across, I guess, San Jose and Santa Clara. But the Lord Jesus Christ looked from eternity to eternity. He looked from Jerusalem to all of Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. And somewhere in between there, he saw us. Compassion. When he saw them, that's what he said in verse 36. When he saw them, he was moved to compassion. And when you read the scripture, you'll find in verse 35, he saw them in all the cities. He saw them in the villages. And when you read in Luke chapter 14, you'll see that he saw them in the highways. He saw them in the 
hedges. And again, I thank God for the highways and hedges ministry. Thank God I keep getting away from them buses. I always had buses in my ministry. I felt the surest way to get close to God and the surest way to get in God's pocket for what I need was to have buses and send out and hunt for kids and people that don't have a way to get to the house of God and somebody to knock on the door and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God he saw them in the highways. Thank God he saw them in the hedges. I was just thinking just a week ago, I was in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, preaching for a bus boy who got saved off of one of our buses when he was 10 years old. Hayes graduated, got a new good church started in Griffin, Georgia. I, I was thinking about Brother Fuentes down here in West Palm Beach, down in West Palm Beach, Florida, and I preached for him now for the last few years. He was he and his brother, two of 14, 9, and 10 years of age, got saved off of the bus routes. Thank God for the buses. He saw them in the highways and hedges. He saw them in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, the uttermost part of the earth. The Bible says he saw the multitudes of them. And even saw, and in seeing the multitudes, thank God, he took time to see one. One man that was up a tree. And he said to that man up that tree by the name of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, you get down out of that tree. Salvation's coming to your house today. <laughs> Thank God he can see that one. He saw that one up that tree. He saw one at a well who came to get a bucket of water and went away with the well. With the well. For he said, if you drink of the water that I shall give you, you'll never thirst again. Thank God he's sorry. Are we looking? The Bible says he saw them and he calls on us in the book of John to lift up our eyes and look on the fields that are white all ready to harvest. I'm glad when he saw the multitudes and he saw Zacchaeus up that tree and saw that woman at that well. I'm glad he saw me at that place in the freight yards one day and saved me. I'm glad that in all those multitudes he could see me. I believe you're glad he could see you also. I'm glad of that because when he saw me, he pulled me up out of that river of life that would have emptied me into an eternal lake of fire. He found me in the gutter of life and pulled me up and made me a child of the king from the gutter to an heir and a child of the king. He found me heavy laden and lifted my load yeah. He found me in a troubled life and gave me a peace that passes all the understanding of man. I had no joy, and he gave me joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
I wish I had the words to describe the joy that I have of knowing I'm saved, knowing my name's on the book, and knowing that he's got the book, and knowing that one day when he opens the book, he'll find me there, and since I'll be there, I'll have whatever else he's prepared for me there. Well, when I needed a friend, he said, I'll be your friend. And I'll be your friend that sticketh closer than a brother. When I didn't know the way, he said, I'm the way. I didn't know what was truth, and he said, I'm the truth. I'm the truth and the way, and I'm the life. I'm glad he saw me. Aren't you glad he saw you? You know why he saw you? He was looking for you. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. So he took time out of a heavenly, earthly schedule to call one man down out of that tree and help that one woman at that well because he saw them. But the Bible says when he saw them, then he was moved to compassion because he saw them as sheep having no shepherd. Really, he saw them as sheep having no savior shepherd because he is not only my shepherd he's my savior a shepherd he is the only one that can lead me in the way that I ought to go he's the only one that can save me out of what I was to make me what I am today He's the only one that could dispel my despair and fill it with hope for eternity. He saw them as sheep. When you read the Bible, don't have time to deal with it at length tonight, but when you read the Bible, you'll find that God does describe mankind in different ways. In Isaiah chapter 53, again, he like the Lord Jesus in the New Testament in the book of John, talks about men, people as sheep. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Pastor spoke upon that this morning. Matthew's gospel in chapter 15, even the Lord Jesus Christ said to his disciples, go first to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. When I read over in the Old Testament in 1 Kings 22 and verse 17, long ago the Lord had said, and he said, I saw all Israel scattered upon the hills as sheep that have no shepherd. And thank God he saw them, saw them just as sheep, sheep that was going astray, sheep that was lost, sheep, that could be found and then could be called saved sheep. Saved sheep that could hear his voice. 
Thank God when he looked at mankind, he didn't look at their culture. He just looked at their condition. Sometimes we look at them for all the wrong reasons. Sometimes we look at that world out there that needs to be reached and they look to us like a social problem. Don't have time to deal with it. Some churches look at them as a financial problem. Some churches look at them as a social problem. He didn't do that. He didn't look at their nationality. He just looked at their need. And whatever need they had, he came to meet that need. It didn't, doesn't make any difference where you've been born. It doesn't make any difference what color you are. Thank God he loves you. He died for you on Calvary's cross. He didn't look at the place where you come from. He looks at the place where you ought to be going. And that is to heaven. Amen. He saw them scattered and fainting as sheep that needed a shepherd savior. Aren't you glad tonight you have a shepherd savior? A savior shepherd who can lead you to the place where the still waters flow. Restore that soul as he has done so many times that had been down. Lead you in the paths of righteousness. That one who can prepare a table for you in the wilderness. Hey! I'm here to tell you it looks like this old world we're in right now is headed for a wilderness. But I got news for you. If you know God, he can prepare a table in the wilderness. Hey, if the world takes away you for going okay, hey, you're still okay because he's with you. Amen for that. He prepares that table in the wilderness. He's that one that walks you through the valley of the shadow of death. He's also that one that sends on top of all of that goodness and mercy to follow you all the days of your life. No matter what else is gone, goodness and mercy is still following you. Oh, I'd like to get on this for a while. Well, I think I will. I'll say to you again, maybe I said it years ago, you know why goodness and mercy follows you, don't you? Did you know when you got up this morning, goodness was already up? Do you realize that when you got up this morning, mercy was still up? Do you know why God said goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life? The reason is that when you're at that lowest time in your life and your hardest time in your life and the, the bleakest hour is there. Goodness is following you because that's the time God says, goodness, catch up with him. Well, yeah. oh, I'm glad for the times that I didn't think I was going to make it and goodness showed up. I just knew somehow I wasn't going to get up from that one. But he was looking over the portals and said to goodness, he needs a little something extra today. And I'm going to love on him, love on him a little bit today. Goodness, I want you to just go ahead and catch up with him today. Love on him a little bit. And after goodness caught up with me and loved me during those broken times and down times, 
I felt better about it. And I went to church the next Sunday and said, you know, if it hadn't been for him, I'd have never made it. But aren't you glad that mercy's back there? Because I believe there have been times in my life when I didn't deserve it, but since he was long-suffering and kind and not ready to throw me out, he said, mercy, he don't deserve it today, but go ahead and catch up with him. I'm going to give him mercy today. Praise God for goodness and mercy. I'm glad it's still following, but I'm glad for the times that it catches up with me. But do we, do we have that compassion from what we have seen? And does that compassion move us? Like it moved him. Thank God it moved him when he saw the multitudes of them. Like I was reading this evening just over again in Psalm 40, when that man in that pit was crying out for help from the Lord, and the Bible says the Lord heard his prayer and was inclined, inclined. To pull him up out of the pit and set him on a solid rock. I sure am glad the Lord, when he saw me, felt inclined to help me. Aren't you? Because that word inclined means with a heart to reach out with help from what is seen. And thank God the Lord saw the man in the pit and his heart and hand reached out to help him and to pull him up. What is it that we need to see in every village, in every highway, in every hedge, all around us that will move us and move others like you have been moved? I never, this is one of the greatest churches I go to in America where I've never seen a people so united so together, so willing to share what they have, give what they have, to go after people that the Lord Jesus Christ loved and gave him self for. I picked up a, and I thought about villages, and I thought about what someone may see that moves them to compassion and to do something about it I have here in my hand a little brochure of a mission group. And I, I don't know how real fundamental it may be, but I know what they're trying to do is, I agree with that. It's called the Water of Life. It's a group that, that goes to Africa. And what they do is that because of the, the water is so impure in Africa that a child dies every eight seconds from impure water, and they go there and they're trying to raise money and dig wells in every village so that they can have water and can, can live. And they use that, 
then to speak to them about the water of life. And they quote John 4, 14, Whosoever drinks of the water I give unto will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him uh, will become in him a spring of, of living water. And uh, there are thousands. And it costs it cost to dig a well or put down a well in a village. Because here's the global statistics. Over one billion people worldwide lack access of safe water source. Almost half of the world's population suffers from diseases linked to contaminated water. More than 5,000 children each day die as a result of drinking polluted water. Dirty, infected water is a silent killer in the world today and is responsible for more deaths each year uh, of that global thing. There was a young girl that I want to leave the testimony with. There was a young girl, her name was Abigail. Five years of age. She lives in Richmond, Virginia. And maybe they'll give us the picture of her. I asked if they'd do that. I want you to see this. I got a picture of this young girl. Because it's an amazing thing. Her name is Abigail. She was sitting with her parents. She's a fine Christian young girl, saved, born only at this time, five years ago. This was a year ago, five years of age. And she and her parents, both are Christian, going to church, and, and they were watching this presentation and hearing about all of these children, most of those who die every eight seconds in Africa, one person dies because of polluted water drinking. And most of those are children. Well, this little girl, Abigail, here, uh, she was sought with her parents. And so the next morning, uh, when she got up, she said to her mother, she said, Mother said, uh, I'll be back in a little while. And her mother said to her, Well, where are you going, Abigail? She says, I, I tell you what I saw last night made me cry and said, I'm going to, according to those people, it takes $48,000 to dig a well in one of those villages so those children and people can be safe and live. And said, I'm going out around the neighborhood and I'm going to knock on some doors and I'm going to tell them my story and tell them I want to dig a well in Africa so that these children won't have to die. And her mother said, well, now you can't just go out everywhere. You can't go far. She says, I won't. I'll go. And she says, uh, after she'd gone the first time, she knocked on the doors from what she saw. She knocked on the doors and expressed her desire to want to reach these people and try to help these people meet their needs there, physical needs as well as spiritual needs. And though she did it one time, the next time she went out, she said to her mommy, she said, Mom, she said, you know, said if, if we could best bag up some cookies and tie a little ribbon around them and said maybe when I knock on some doors and if I ask them if they'll help me to, to dig a well said, uh, and hand them some cookies, maybe, maybe they really will help me out. Business lady already at five years of age. And her, and her mama said, well, honey, we're going to help you. We're going to, we'll, we'll help you dig. She says, no, 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 no. I'm going to dig this well myself. Five years of age. Challenged to raise $48,000 dig a well. From what she saw, it tore her up. It broke her heart. 
She says, no, no, I'm going to do this myself. And so she started. She started writing letters. I got one of the letters. She sent me a letter. She said, I saw a TV program of how people die in Africa that do not have clean drinking water. Big print, big print she had. The drinking water. It made me very sad because they said that someone dies every eight seconds from dirty water. Uh, they also said that most of the people who die are my age, five or younger. Uh, that scares me and makes me very sad. I want to help them by, by digging a well. God told me to help those children because they're dying. Will you help me? If I raise $48,000, I can dig one well for a village by myself. Uh, thank you, and I love you, signed this girl, Abigail. So what could I do with that? I couldn't do anything but send money. <laughs> I had to send money. Well, here was somebody, here was a girl. Her, new, her news and her burden began to get out. She was invited to go to an adult Bible class in her church. She got up on a chair and told her story there and raised $500 in that, in that class that day. A local business meeting was meeting together with business people, bankers and whatever. They heard about her testimony and allowed her to come and share her testimony. They give her a microphone. She stood up in a chair and told them and says, can all of you count? They said, yes. She said, would you count with me? One, two, three. And when they got to eight, she said, a child my age just died. And said, I, I, I need to raise, I need to raise $48,000. Five-year-old, I got to raise $48,000. I got to dig a well. And then she said to her grandmother, said, now I'm finished. Can I start going collecting money from these people? And she said, honey, I don't think you can go collect money right now from those people. But anyway, from that and because of that, the banker went to, back to the board and said, and to his uh, associates, we got to help these people. And they pledged like some $25,000. <laughs> she went on and on and on. She's been on television, invited to go on television. I'll make the story short. She raised over $5,000 all by herself. Abigail did. Five years old, all by herself. Of what she saw. And what she saw moved her compassion, a compassion that would move her to do something about it. You say, preacher, how do you know all this is really true? Well, I can tell you, I know it's all really true because that's my great-granddaughter. She didn't get that way by accident. It started with my wife over here. And she passed it on to Donna, my daughter whom Brother Treber just saw again and who visited here a few years ago.
But my daughter, my daughter then passed it on to my granddaughter, Jamie. Jamie passed it on to Abigail, who was saved at five years of age. And she's a fourth generation Christian. I'm glad. She started life with a burden for others. I could go on to tell you what else from that she's done. Just this past Thanksgiving, she said, Dad, I'll be out and back in a while. John said, where are you going, Abigail? She said, I'm going to take my wagon because I saw on the news that they're going to try to feed these hundreds of homeless people downtown on Christmas, Thanksgiving Day. He said, I'm going to take my wagon. I'm going to the doors and see if they won't help me. Let's feed those. We all need a heart like that. What's my prayer tonight? And what's my message and what's my invitation tonight? God, give me a heart like that. The Bible says a little child shall lead them. Oh, if tonight we had God's people who just came to this old altar and just asked for the prayer. Lord, give me a heart like that. Give me a heart of compassion. Lord, give me a compassion that will move me. Move me to reach others. And what might be the reason that would move some of you just like this man? Because of the fact that God has loved on you when you didn't deserve loving on He's helped you when you've been in the fight. He saw the fight has been hard and, and you wouldn't hardly make it. But he said, I'm going to love you a little bit. I want to send a little special goodness your way because I love you and I want you to keep on making it. That ought to be reason enough for you to get up out of your seat right now. And get to this altar and say, Lord, it's time for me to start returning some goodness your way. You've turned so much goodness my way because you've had the compassion that moved you to help me, save me, and come to me so many times and show mercy on me so many times oh God give me an Abigail heart Lord give me your heart Lord I want to have that compassion for a world out there at any cost Lord I'm willing in my life you name what it takes I'm willing to give what it takes oh 
what a church the North Valley Baptist Church is. What a heart I've seen in you already. But oh God, don't ever let it die. Don't let it diminish. Lord, may my heart burn again. Burn again. Help me to see them in the village, in the highway, in the hedges. And Lord, give me that compassion that you had when you came to me. Oh, tonight, if you're not saved, say, I need a Savior tonight. Raise your hand where you are. Let me pray for you. I need a Savior like that tonight who can pull me up out of the gutter, make me a child of the King. Oh, I need someone who can dispel my joy, my sadness, and give me joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hey, stay long enough to set that prayer in spiritual cement so it'll walk with you the rest of your days. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org. If you enjoy Christian music and programming, visit KNBBC.com for Christian music you can trust.